0: This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by the Icon Winterfest this February 22nd at the RBC Convention Center in Winnipeg. Come visit Gregory Kamichuk and Justin Curry at their tables.
1: Attention, citizens! It's time for Super Pulp Science! This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I'm here with my long-suffering co-host, Justin Curry, also known as Chasing Artwork, and our producer extraordinaire, Dan vadebon Hello, guys.
0: hey
2: Hello, <laughs> hello. I was waiting for him to say something, so you know the voices.
1: Okay, so I'm going to get right into it. Um, I have a couple of books coming out this year. I have Arena City, I have Good Boys, I have The Automatic Age, and that's all great. Congratulations. Thank you. That's all wonderful. very exciting. Now, there's a part, and I'm also doing this. in. Okay, so why this is on my mind is I'm also doing this writer in residency Mm -hmm. where we're talking about, I'm talking to people about the constituent pieces of their actual work, right? Like the actual parts that go into the story. While I myself in my time at the residency have had to spend the last few days answering the same question over and over and over again not to the thoughtful students of the residency who all are coming in very well prepared with thoughtful questions but to media people for book blogs and for outreach related to the press of launching these books everyone has interview questions and when i first started doing books i loved it like any light shining on me (laughs) right oh how warm and wonderful that is. But you start to see a pattern in the questions. And they're always the same questions some version of the same questions.
0: So I think you need to tackle this like a politician and not concentrate on answering those questions, but figuring out <laughs> how to segue into things that you want to answer Great question, Great Barbara. Question. Let me tell you about my foreign <laughs> policy. A free t-shirt. Yeah. Oh my
2: God. <laughs> Just get your talking points out there, and you're good to
1: go. Oh, that's how it feels, and I do not like it. No, they always want to know what inspires you. They always want to know what your influences are. They want a brief synopsis of the book. That first one, Were that last one makes an sense. Artist? They want it, yeah. And then you said the one that I hate. How long does it take? How long does it take to make this book? To do this illustration? Whatever. And there it's just some version of these same things. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think they come at you with the same questions most of the time? Well, I want to go one layer deeper before okay. we get to that question. Okay. Why does anyone who has that as their job not realize it? So I have to assume since it's their job, they're better at it than me. Okay. So I'll give them that point. They're better at it than me. So that what the confusion is... Is why are they always the same? What is it that I don't see that is the benefit to always asking those same, answering those same five questions? Well,
2: I can I can speak to it a little bit from the journalistic side of things. I've taken that in my program. I'm just kind of a radio journalist on CJB. I do the newscasts, but I also do interviews occasionally. And I think when you when you come at it from a journalist's point of view, they are covering a variety of different topics every day. They're, it's something new every day. They've got a different story they're writing an article about or, or producing a TV story about. And so they, they do have somewhat formulate questions that they've found works to get the answers they're looking for. And a lot of them come at it from that perspective as, I just need a quote here to fill in this part of this. A lot of them have already written the article before they even insert the quote. Mm-hmm. so they, they just need a quote that says... They've already figured it out in their mind they they want to structure it this way. They need you to say something about your inspirations. So they ask you that question.
1: When we were doing some press for Red Earth, it became very obvious who that got in touch with us had written the article first Yeah, and they were trying to guide it to their own (laughs) thesis. And a couple of times we had to blow it up and say, listen, I don't know, like those things are all wrong. Like none of that happened. These things you want to fill in for? making
2: making assumptions about the the play that weren't true.
1: None of those things happened. None of those things were part of our creative process. I can't answer. It's not that I don't want to answer these questions. It's that there is no answer for these questions, right? It's like I have a red sled. Why is your sled blue? Right? You become an (laughs) asshole saying, like, well, it's
2: red, right? Um, But... Now I could call that lazy journalism and in some cases that, that I do think that is the you know, that's a bit lazy just to kind of assume to already write it out and to, just to kind of get close to plug it in but the other thing to keep in mind is that these people are often very overworked they're often they're asked to cover more than one story per day in, in different things they have to tweet about it they have to post about it on social media. There's a lot more to the job now than there used to be so um, they're not always able to come at it long term and properly think about it which is what Mm -hmm. they should be doing and initially you should be conducting the interview first then writing your story based on what you learned in the interview that's how you really tell a story Right. Journalism, journalistic, what leads?
1: So one of the things I'm sensing is you're saying, get down off of your, out of your ivory tower. Have well, a little empathy with these people. These and, people and have just, a job to do. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. But, do help them but, do their job. You're the not a okay. snowflake, Gregory. That's you're right.
0: just another hour of their day. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: That is so true. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I did need to hear that. Okay. So then let's be constructive I'm, about I'm just, it. I'm just,
2: I'm, at the same time, I understand what you're saying about you. it's not very imaginative to just come at you from these three angles. Well, and there should be more to it than
1: that. Because I am also busy. I run the risk of, and have done before, am guilty of, copy and pasting answers from the previous person who asked me the exact same (laughs) questions and sending it to them. Because they they also never, I shouldn't say never, in my experience, often the quote doesn't land, even when I typed it out, it doesn't look the way I sent it to them. They've changed it, edited. Are you talking about interviews over own. email? Interviews? Email interviews, but really? also telephone interviews. Yeah,
2: uh, I don't like. I don't like email. Right. I, I like. I prefer either over the phone or in person. I just think there's a way you can read the person better when you're talking to them as opposed to just email. So much can get misinterpreted with text. And Absolutely tone. true. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm not a fan of the email because and then yeah then they're just copying and pasting but you're saying they're not they're they're changing your quote yeah or? they
1: get changed a lot okay, so at first the first the very first time it happened where the exact same question was asked in multiple sources and I copied the answer and sent it to multiple sources it was at the suggestion of a PR person that said you're too busy to answer they all asked the same question it is the same answer send them the same answer okay fair right? enough mm-hmm. and I was like that felt insincere insincere and yet I feel that the questions are insincere yeah you're totally right but how many- then, then the part of you that asked me to engage my empathy is now activated my end of, <laughs> and so I'm saying how else would you <laughs> talk to someone about their book if you haven't read it so let's figure oh, out those no. questions. What are the questions that are better than that are better to ask about that? If we can do better, then my rant will
2: stand. Let me let me let me see if I can come at this from a, like I'm gonna put my journalist hat on now. Okay, pretender, I'm interviewing you. Where did you get the idea for this book? Oh, I hate that. Why? <laughs> I hate that. That's, that's how I that's, that's, that's the starting same point. That's the starting point. What's your inspiration? No, for it, isn't. no, it, no it isn't. It no, it's okay. not Okay. Ins- how did you come up with the idea for this book?
1: So here is why I don't like that question. Okay. No answer I give is an actual answer that anyone who doesn't write for a living will understand. You're going to
0: have to kind of make up some, like, that moment in the TV series where Sherlock is like, oh, connect this and this, and boom, the mystery solved. Yeah, You need a moment like that for, like... For I it was, to be a soundbite. I almost hit it a dog, to a and then it ran That is what
1: interviews are.
2: Well, I guess, but I mean, I'm, I'm okay. Whatever answer you give me, I will take it and... And so try to translate it for the reader, for the listener.
1: Have you ever tried to give a full answer to that question well, in I an I've never written a book, so I don't. I can't. Right. So I've had to try and give a full answer to that yeah, question okay. interview, and unfortunately, uh, I guess maybe this is me. This is the spotlight on me again. It's my problem. No, no. Is but that I mean. the reason for making a book is multifaceted? Okay. The origin of a story is multifaceted, right? It's like really complicated. The story itself is more simple. We could talk about the story more simply. Okay. How about this? Be
2: more specific about the question. So, okay. Good boys. Uh, forgive me. It's about cats and dogs, correct? About, sort of.
1: Yeah. So why cats and dogs? Why cats and dogs? That's a better question. Okay, All right. Any more specific about so it. So why, and I can answer that that's because sure. an answer comes to me immediately that is succinct, right? It's cats and dogs because people everywhere have a bias about which they prefer yeah, that's, that's and true. the story is about where bias starts. So I chose cats and dogs because that's, a way for everyone to understand that they have a bias that they're not willing to give up quickly without making it about politics. Okay, that's fair. Right? Yep. Better question. Cool. Now, what is the way that I turn your first question properly into doing what Justin suggested, which is just stick with a good answer. Just answer the answer you want to give. No, but, without seeming like The, the answer
2: you just gave is an answer to my first question. The answer you just gave about dogs and cats. I just need to ask the question better. That's what we just did there.
1: So you want me to tell you the story of my life?
0: Like I said, that's what I do. I, uh,
1: I interview people. I'm a collector of lives. Imagine now that it's my job to send questions, and I don't know you very much. No, I try why, to... why do you need to send questions? Well, that's
2: what happens. Oh, people geez. send questions all the See, time. I, don't, I, just, I have a pro- fundamental problem with that. Here are my questions. Please type out your answers, and I'll insert them into my article. Anyway, sorry. That's yeah. another issue.
1: Book blogging is full of that. Yeah, okay. Right And any attention that your book receives, you are grateful for. I am grateful for the list of those people that I have to answer those questions to. What I am frustrated with is that, as you pointed out, Justin, it will seem insincere because they've all asked a version of the same question. So I'll be giving a version of the same answer as if to suggest that each of their different news outlets, book reporting outlets, are all the same, which they aren't.
0: Is that bad though? It's almost like the branding package includes the answers to those questions. So you just go into your textbook of like Gregory the brand and all those questions are canned.
1: Is that... I'm just saying, is that a bad thing? Like what you're saying is Is, like when you have a media package... That's called a press release. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But
1: if a press release contained an interview... Well, it, ideally, that's
2: what that's what they teach in PR in my program is that a press release should contain quotes that can be just lifted and inserted into an article. Yes. The laziest journalist will just do
1: that, right? That so what you're saying the is assume lazy. Now this is no. So, what
2: I'm assuming is so so these these bloggers or these people interviewing you, how do they find out about your book? Something the uh, news release is sent out.
1: So the publisher re- releases a can release a news release or a call for. Um, uh, review copies like there's a there's a period like we were talking about um, advanced reader copies yep. earlier right where people can request them yep uh and then in reading the book see what's interesting is that in the best case scenario someone will have asked for an art copy and send some interview questions you'll answer those interview questions they'll read the book and then there might be a follow-up question or two or three mm-hmm. if there's time i think rarely is there time for them to put it all together and have read the thing now autom- the automatic age is short enough that Conceivably, someone could read it yeah. in a single sitting and then come back and say, hey, I have some follow-up. So that's what I hope.
2: But what I'm saying is that um, maybe you should send the answers to these questions out in the news release or press release or whatever you want to call it with the copies of this book so it's already answered for mm. them. That way you don't have to say it a million times. Is that shitty. No, it's a that, <laughs> that's my question. That's what you do. That's a news release. That's yeah, take what Take those you like yeah, three give questions you Give all the information that you, hate, the information that you want, that you know they're going to ask, you give them that information plus whatever else you want to highlight about it in a news release, send that out. They can now they should be reading that and they can take that and then they can follow up after that. That's exactly how this usually works.
0: Most of them won't read that. And well, ask that's, those that's the problem. anyways. Well, yeah. <laughs> you have to. You
2: know, we talk when we talk about writing news releases. We talk about making it short and succinct and to the point. Um, and you get all your information into the first couple paragraphs because people very rarely read beyond that when it comes to these things. You send it as an email, not as an attachment to an email, because you don't want to make any more steps. Like I get tons of releases at CGOB as a, in the newsroom, yeah. and there are pages and pages of stuff that we don't need. Well, and you I have can... to get to the point, otherwise,
1: I've. Uh read seen been coached talked about done trial and error that when you're answering questions about like what the synopsis of the book is and you build up five or six sentences you know you have a little bit more room if it's going to be in print yeah to like get your full idea out uh, not just a slug line um that you usually come around to this great phrase at the end that really sums up like you've led people there yep once you're done writing that take that first phrase and make it the first sentence okay yeah it's all about family right yep Right. It's all and then go from Fast there the with the rest.
0: Right? Yeah, right? is jeez. what furious? you're talking No, about. I thought well, that was Star Wars. <laughs>
1: it's all movies, guys. It's all it's, uh, movies. It's all
2: movies. The thing with the, uh, what's his face? with family, the, um. I saw the Fast... Was it eight or nine? How many movies are those Ten. Stop paying attention. Yeah. Um, anyway, there was a trailer during
1: the Super Bowl, and that was one of the lines. It's, all, they, it's about family. Can they just call it fa- F-X now, and oh. X is like any number that you want it to be? I think it's called the Fast but that's Saga 10 now. 10
0: for Roman. They'll use it when 10 comes around the, the They've X.
1: done 10. Must no, no, 10. no. I don't no? think so. I think it's
2: actually nine. This is a nine. Almost. Almost. Anyway, sorry. Oh, we digress. Continue.
1: No, but it's on... T- <laughs> you know, in a way, it's on topic <laughs> because... Uh, okay, so what I'm, well, I guess what I'm really getting at is I'm going to ask you guys these questions. Yeah, okay. Okay? So, okay. so you are the... <clears throat> Dan, thanks for coming on to Super Bulb Science. You are the creator of Media Nerds Podcast. Yes. Please tell me what inspires you. Uh, movies and TV shows and Star Wars. Why? Well, They're just cool.
2: See, that's not good enough. No, it's yeah. not. Just fucking, I'm just giving you the gears now. That's what we getting at, right? Uh, how long does it take now, you? Here,
1: here's Kate. Can you give me a synopsis of your podcast?
2: Well, basically, we sit down and we record the podcast. We go in pretty cold. I don't like to uh, discuss things ahead of time with my co-host because that kind of eliminates the spontaneity of the conversation. Um, we spend an hour recording. I spend an hour editing. And then we post it online. Damn it. They work. Well, that's it's, it's a different process, though. It's a different process than a writing a book, right? The thing is, part of the issue. But with, we're all creating things. I know, but it's it's so it's easier to do a podcast. Um, See,
1: This may be the first time I've ever actually asked those questions with any type of sincerity to another person, and they were you give me good answers. Well, I, I retract my it, previous it, it's, statement. No, but
2: the, the repe- it's the repetitive nature of the questions that bothers you. That is that is so, and it's again it's a similar to we talked about this just before we started recording the uh, press junkets that all these movie actors have to go through, where they just yeah. sit in a chair and reporter after reporter comes in to ask them the same how, questions.
0: How groomed are they as well? Like if you're a kid on the Harry Potter film, like how sincere are their answers and how much are how much You're given a scripted? list of talking
1: points. You get Your PR person gives you a list of no-fly zones. Yeah. And the yeah, interviewer no is given, yeah, no spoilers, but also like certain topics that they're not to discuss. And I heard that lately, um, uh, like people will put red herrings, like please do not discuss my father, right? Because they know eventually some yahoo journalist is going to try and ask a question they were specifically asked not to and then they're fine to talk about their dad they did it just so that they could But journalists
2: hate being told what not to ask yeah they hate that and that just that just a huge red flag so a lot of them will do it anyway because they've been asked to but the thing about that is um the the ones those interviews the ones that stand out to me and to many people are the ones that deviate from the formula mm-hmm. when it, someone comes in there's been a couple of different examples where a persons just come in and just sat down to talk to them how are you guys doing what's new and they just talk there's yeah. no questions there's no planning they're just they've got five minutes with. You know, The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, yeah. and they just want to talk to him about stuff, and there's no questions about the movie. Right. And but that kind of stuff will go viral because it's just a normal conversation, and they'll joke around or something like that. Whereas, but won't
0: the producers of the film get ticked off that The Rock didn't it's, plug it's, enough for the well,
2: movie? Well, no. Movie?
1: Not as long as it goes viral.
0: I'm
2: yeah, sure. they don't care. As long any any publicity is good publicity, and the person's got the five minutes, is up to them what they can do with it. So they don't want to waste their time by not asking questions about the movie that's fine and those are the ones that stand out so i think in in a way a good journalist can stand out by not asking these questions that you hate right. but by asking you different questions right so then that makes them um So but journalist. we are
1: so this is a cause and effect relationship whereby like a book is in the world and there are some certain steps that you take to promote it and one of those steps is you ask these questions let's just agree that that is a framework let's just as a as a mental exercise let's just say that's unchangeable. It's the PR side, right? Of it, That's yes. the PR side. So, given that that is true, what do you guys suggest is a polite way that wouldn't seem too pushy that I could insert something that is more sincere into that correspondence without it seeming like I'm trying to take over or like tell them that they can't do their job? That's tough. That's a tough one right? because it's going to come, especially since
2: it's through email. It'll they're always gonna, come they're across gonna, as gonna, crappy, they're right? Think you're a jerk. Um, <laughs> what the hell this is this guy talking about? True, true. Like, yeah, yeah, and they'll be right. you said, how's a, what's, what's a nice way of saying I've been asked that question a million times? Yeah. You know what I mean? There's
1: no way. What is the nice way? <laughs> you
2: know, you know as the biggest cop, like, This is just reminding me of something I heard in some, in some interview. Occasionally, you'll see these interview interviewers who try to stand out by trying to come up with something really interesting and different to say. And they say... They say, what's the worst question you've ever been asked? Or they say, of all right. the questions, what's the one you hate answering? <laughs> Something right. like that.
0: So they get to ask that question. <laughs>
2: exactly, but by not asking it. Or they say, um, is there anything that I just sh- should have asked you? That, that's really lazy yeah. journalism. Anything that I should have asked you that I didn't?
1: Anything you want to add? You know, um, just like, I no. like it when somebody asks, is there anything that came to mind during this interview? That's better we putting in. Right? Yeah. Uh, that you wanted to say but didn't know how to fit into the interview. Yep. we could talk about that now. Yeah, that's a right. great way
2: to put it for sure.
1: Uh, I think that that the, usually... the more that's why I don't like the email aspect
2: of this because the more like a conversation this is, the better it's going to go. Mm-hmm. So in face to face or over the phone, somebody says, "What inspires you?" You can explain to them. Well, you know, I, I I get asked that question a lot, and it's very difficult to to so you could explain to them why you yeah. don't like that question.
0: What the email though, is. On, you know, my dad's deathbed, he was like, you draw. And then that's, you know, they want that like.
2: Well, of course they do. That's a
1: compelling story. Yeah. That's just the answer I would like you to give. Hi, Greg Curry. We are going to now (laughs) claim that you uh, inspired Justin on your deathbed. I know you're listening. So what do you do? I'm a vampire.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's something I haven't heard before.
0: It's kind of like when they ask, like, how long does that take to do they're kind of hoping for the crazy answer like well they're hoping
2: for an interesting answer yeah and unfortunately they're asking a very uninteresting question to try and get an interesting
1: answer yeah that's like not... for example i hear the, uh justin you drew all these oh come on nobody asks you that you drew... yeah. oh yeah yeah like a hundred times but we're talking about like hundred times an hour
2: reporters or bloggers or are these just people at your booth people at the booth, people at the yeah. booth. yeah so i mean but, that's different
0: but it's worse because it's a new one every five minutes.
2: Oh, okay. Asking the same question. Just put questions. The sign up on your thing. Yes, I drew.
0: <laughs> we've talked about, we've joked about that a couple yeah, conventions. Like a bunch of conventions like, of having the planned like a... answers typed out for people to read. Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> Or, like, having a big poster that's like, here's a bunch of topics that I'd like to talk about that no one in my family or in my general circle will discuss. Will you please discuss these with me <laughs> if you are knowledgeable on these topics, right? Like just to, yeah. right? When yeah. you get those single serving interactions with people, right? And I guess maybe that's what bugs me. I'd have no trouble with a person that has never seen my work before and doesn't know me or whatever. And they're like, hey, is this your work? Yes, man, you made all this? Yes, I did. Wow, that must take a long time. Well, you know, every job takes a long time, right? Because it's literally using up your life and you'll be dead soon. Is what I usually say. No, I don't say no, that. No, that's a good answer. You should but, say that. That's hilarious. Uh, but an interviewer knows it's my work, can look at any other interview I've ever given me that has answered these questions and know the answers Yes. in five minutes. Less than five minutes, given the speed of internet And I can tell you,
2: I do that on occasion when I'm looking to do some, not not like, it's just called background research, right? You're just looking to see if you know any more details about a story. So I do absolutely look up, if I'm writing a script, this is just a script for radio that I write, which is 30 seconds long, maybe 45 if there's a clip in it, and um and I'm just, is there anything else about this that I need to know? And I just kind of Google and f- find out if there's any other pieces out there about the story and see if there's any other information out there that I should right. know. And then, yeah, it takes me five minutes. And then if there is, then I'll follow up on that myself. Like, I don't copy anybody else's work, but I do see what there, what is else is out there. Yeah. So, yeah, research is important. People should be doing some research on you before they're contacting Conducting an interview, yeah. I would think. Yeah. That's yeah. a, so important. Uh, that's the first thing they should be doing. Now, what are the other questions you have here? You have what, is, what inspires, what inspires you? you? What are
1: your influences? The synopsis, one I get because that's actually like relevant but again, information. That's
2: on the freaking website. That that is the first thing you read when you yeah. see the listing for this book. Yeah. So you don't need to ask that. Yeah. It's but
0: a, the audience is unfamiliar with this project, so they don't. They need to hear that synopsis. I guess.
2: I, I, okay. So. But why did they all... You mm. don't... Like, it's great to have somebody say it, again, as a recording, as an audio or video recording. It's good to have the author saying it. But as far as a print interview goes, you don't need to say that. They can get that information from somewhere else. Right. I don't think... I think that last one is is not a great question at all. It's It's the worst of the three. Right. What are your influences? That's something I'm sure, like, musicians get asked a lot of times. Sure. Artists probably get asked that all the time. And I think that's a more general question as far as what... I mean, it is the same as what inspires you,
1: um,
2: but it is like, how did you become the artist you well, are today? Well, the reason
1: I put these two together on my little notes here is because that ticks me. It annoys me because what inspires you and what are your influences are question. made of the same stuff. Yeah, it's exactly. really the same question, and it and it shows a lack of understanding what you're really asking about. Like if you're a if you're a rocket scientist, right, and you're sending something up into space, I'm not going to ask you two of the same questions related to how things get into space. Right? right exactly i'm gonna be more specific <laughs> well you talk about how they right? eat in space or how they go to the bathroom in space or well that kind of stuff. but, uh, but no, I wouldn't, that's not
2: the rocket scientist that does that that's somebody else. Just right
1: i wouldn't say like what inspired you to do the math
2: see uh, a lot of people want to know the human story behind everything that's kind of part of what they teach in Journalism school yeah. is find the human story. Find what motivated the person to do whatever it is that they did. Maybe all us and writers so, and artists,
1: though, we're not that interesting. And that's
2: why we well, make interesting work. You do make interesting work. Knowing, and I think there, we there put are all of, of our interesting, interesting stories, parts into our work. Like, but, but, again, your story has been told. Many Both your stories have been told many times in various interviews, articles, this podcast, in many forms So, again, do the research and you'll find the story. You don't need to ask you to recount the story.
1: You know. um, I think it's on my mind, too, because yesterday I got an email from the uh, producer who did uh, Artists by Night okay. to say that she's been exploring the idea of following up that documentary with a Where Are They Now? Oh, yeah. Right? Cool. Um, and for the dear listener who doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, there was a CBC documentary, ser- uh, not series, I guess, short documentary uh, about uh, David Alexander Robertson. Uh, Scott Henderson and I called Artists by Night. And actually, I hadn't met those. Guys. That's where I met those guys oh, and cool. ended up started working with them. And that's why, you know, Scott's been on the podcast before. Shout, so out, to, shout out to out Kelly Reese, who put that all together. Um, but she asked some thoughtful questions just in her email about, like, the validity of revisiting that story. Like, is it just that the trajectory is the same? Or is it that there is a... You know, what's interesting about that path? Yes, you said you wanted to do this and now you're doing it. Well, that's actually not a story.
0: Actually, just people the...
1: following through on their claims Wait, is not a story. A story. Yeah, yeah. What are the bumps along the road?
0: And there's that one part in the documentary where you got greenlit for two books and then the end of that story is drama filled and. Oh, I guess
1: that's true. <laughs> is that the cheesine? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it's right because yes. that's. Sounds... That's
0: you getting into bed with cheesine <laughs> is on film. Oh. And me getting so
1: excited. That is so true. And I'm like opening the email there for the first time. And I'm like, oh, my God, they want my books. Oh, my God, they want both books.
0: Oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. Now you know why they had no problem with saying yes to two because uh, they're <laughs> awful. Is
2: this available to watch anymore? Because I haven't seen this documentary. Uh, and I'm
0: sure
1: many listeners haven't either. I will see if there is a – it's probably now on Vimeo because I believe the rights reverted back to her. You get like first – um, broadcast rights, yeah, and that would have been a few years ago. So that's probably come back around. Okay, I'm sure there's a place. yeah. It'd be great to link to that in the show notes. I would so be. Could, uh, you can see it. the many ponytails of Mr. C in that <laughs> uh, in that documentary for sure. Um, the first time I met David Alexander Robertson is also on screen, um, and this was me talking to Kelly. She's like, "Hey, I'd like you guys to meet. Um, you know, he's kind of a big deal." And I was like, "Oh yeah, he is kind of a big deal." And she's like, well, I'd like you to meet. So we should get together beforehand and then talk about how that's going to be. And then we'll put you on camera. And I was like, no. So like, okay. what? I'm like, if we're going to do it. And I mean, it comes with being friends with other people who make documentary films. I'm like, it's going to do it. And it's going to go badly. We better see. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Right. Like, we better try it. So let's do it on camera. Okay. She says, let's do that. And I said, and let's do it on camera as us asking each other interview questions in front of a crowd at a Comic-Con. And she's like, no, that's bad. That's going to be bad for you if it goes badly. I'm like, yeah, but great drama. I'm thinking (laughs) in my mind, like Mike Sanders needs to make a documentary and I'm trying to help my buddy out. And instead I'm like, but I'm the subject. So then the day before, I'm like, oh my God, I've arranged all this with the con to do this, to have the mics there. We're going to record everything. And I'm like, I'm going to meet David Alexander Robertson right now. What if he hates me? What if I think he's too big for his britches? I'm going to have to now ask better questions than these ones we've been talking about, right? And try to navigate that realm. Instead, uh, he turned out to be a wonderful human being and it was easy. But uh, it was. That's part of the
2: fun of documentary filmmaking, I think. Yeah, for sure. Unknown. Um,
1: but yeah. I didn't have these things
2: written down, I didn't have any of these questions. Well, again, at this time you hadn't been, you hadn't been asked these questions a million times, True. right? Yeah. So this is since then. That's, that's where you can go with the update. Where, where are they now? Well, you're sitting there answering these questions a million times, <laughs> So...
0: You uh, said you were waiting for me. What, what were you going to do? Kill me? Drink my blood? All that stuff? Yes.
1: Uh, it sounds so much like you're complaining about having attention, which is all you want. When you're trying to produce a book i want to class i want to characterize it a little bit which is that it's not that i don't want the attention obviously i do want the attention but i feel like the real creative endeavor can't be summed up in these questions and people don't really want to listen to the full answer so why wouldn't they be questions completely unrelated to the book to actually get to know the person, right? Because if that's really what you're after is the human interest story, don't connect it to the book at all. Like we wrote this book. Fine. You can read the synopsis on Amazon. It's available everywhere. Right? Tell me about your first pet and when it died, how did you feel? Sure. But no answer that question. My first pet Yeah, uh,
2: was stolen out of the back of our car. Oh, uh, He was at German Shepherd and, and yeah, someone stole him. Oh, God. Um, his name was Thor.
1: So uh, right now, I can tell you that every listener that heard you say that out loud was more engaged than anything related to what we inspires a, we, you.
2: We got a second dog, called him Thor 2. Uh,
1: <laughs> Thor 2, the sequel? You, Thor Ragnarok. These days, you would call him, yeah. No, he'd be Dark World first. No, that's right, yeah.
2: No, no. But anyway, no, um, the thing about doing that is that, sure, they can do that once, but then they're never going to come back to you for another interview when you have a new book out because they've already got your story. They'll just tack on the synopsis and then refer back to their previous article and they don't want to do that they want a new piece of content
1: involving you but that's what i'm suggesting is like let's have content what's a question that we've never asked justin let's think of one right now
2: what's your deal with your robots man why robots i like the way that was aggressive it wasn't like <laughs> so you make robots <laughs> no, but, no, what's no. The deal? but dude what's your what's with the obsession with robots it, i would say uh
0: dude. fits my style really well and i like robots
2: but why? Uh, but that's that's yeah. It's pretty pretty. Yeah. See,
0: but what you want is as a child. This one time I was caught under a I thresher. Was lost. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't In want to know that. And... But
2: I, I do want to know why. I do genuinely want. I've never asked you this. Why do you like robots so much? Where did that start?
0: Growing up on Transformers and Star Trek and is,
2: is, now was that. Yeah, Robo good... jocks.
0: Robo jocks.
2: Robot jocks.
0: Robot jocks. No, isn't it Robo jocks?
2: Robot jocks. The, the movie? The okay. movie, yes.
1: The internet was the guy, the
2: guy. No, I, I had a gif of the guy going like this and then the, the robot's fists come together. Yeah. I love that movie. Um, but, Lego, too. Lego. But what uh, was the. F- yeah, see, in Lego. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm getting into the interview right now. But, but go ahead. so
1: am I. I'm into the interview. I see the connection here because you draw, quote unquote, uh, in, in. No, but you in draw. pieces. No, it's more. It's almost like brush strokes of broken glass more than like the shattered vector yeah when somebody listens and hears draw they think it's line work but he's uses these pieces that go down and then form a general shape just like lego right you start with all these different colored pieces and then it makes a thing
2: what was the first robot
0: that you quote unquote drew it's actually you can't see it and this is terrible podcast stuff but that frame picture on the other side of the pillar okay. is the very first drawing that mom found of mine I gotta go
2: look at it hold on a sec I'm
0: gonna get over oh you're
2: you bringing it over okay cool
1: what is going on in this
2: picture so how I, old were you when you did this I don't
0: know I think it says
2: <laughs> just the way it is it kind
0: of looks like the dragon nanny
1: it does oh, wow it totally looks and like is that man. is is it, is it meant to be a robot so no. you okay. didn't you drew on another book
0: Yeah. I drew in a book. So, I was, dear
1: podcast. I was not
0: a well-behaved child.
1: Dear listener, <laughs> Justin's mom has... I've looked at this many times, not understanding what I was looking at, but now it's uh, <laughs> archival significance is very important, which is the point of a good interview question, by well, the way. That, Hold yeah. on. Let's, I will describe so this to We've unc- uncovered a good story here. It's a page from somebody else's kid's book well, where there is, is a fridge... In the drawing, and Justin has drawn something (laughs) on the fridge. This, like, potato-headed, smiley dude with a super long Inspector Gadget-style arm. It does have,
2: like, kind of uh, dragon-nanny arms.
1: It does. And when we look back, look at the... Oh, my goodness. Just the way it is, said his mother, and she (laughs) hung it on the refrigerator. But that's referring to this this photo. But now it's referring to this. Oh, it's so meta. Very. Okay, so what we did here is we asked a real question... What's the button? A real question that we didn't know the answer to that we couldn't find by googling. This is maybe what I'm at. The answers to any of these (coughs) questions related to my work, you can find by googling. Yes. Ask me something you can't find by googling. That's right. That's exactly what you should do. Right? What is with your relationship between big versus small in your compositions? Why? It's not just those it looks good, because you can do lots of things. You're a talented artist. You can make anything look and, good. And your Gundam pieces aren't always what's are, wrong with you. Your Gundam pieces are Gundam.
0: It's the both with the the battle damage Gundams and the big versus small. It's the implied narrative. I like pictures that tell a story without anything else to go with them.
1: But why that story? Is it you against the world?
0: No. Somebody well, came up and asked me that. Like, what's with all the big versus small? Like, did you like overcome a disease? <laughs> I was like, ah, uh, n- no.
1: See, because they are implying that you see yourself as the little one, when really you're the big one, always winning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that is not the case either. Um, yeah. I think that it might be. Or is it like, as as artists and as writers, you try a bunch of things, and every once in a while, something works. It's something you enjoyed doing. The audience reacted with it. It's made you some money, maybe. Like maybe it was financially viable. Um, so you put more weight into that idea and you do it again and again. So and what again. you're
1: talking about is like a Darwinism, like this, it's big versus small it's, and it's robots because when you started showing your work, that's where you got positive feedback and attention. So you made more work like that. It was that. that
0: Venn diagram of what I enjoy doing and what people enjoyed looking at and what people wanted to buy from me. And it hasn't, Greater to be
2: fair, it hasn't always been robots. Like you did, you said one of your first really popular pieces was a Final Fantasy piece right is a silhouette yeah. yeah yeah so so that's like obviously not robots but no. um but i'm more interested and in, i can look at you know your gundam pieces and go well he's obviously a huge fan of gundam and you like that that world and that thing so and you're creating that you know, the story of those um so i'm guessing at that, that being the answer to why you do those but what i'm more interested in is why you you Tonk the way he he is and why you created the world of and tonk and and Rust and Water and all these other things. Yeah, so a be better
1: question. Actually, and we've never really talked about this. Why? We've talked about this. No, not really. I just, I just. So no one's asking the right question. It's not my well, and also it hasn't seemed my place to ask him to justify the shape language of a character. But even though you love Gundams and Transformers, Tonk and Dragon Nanny and the uh, uh, tune in Rust and Water, very different. Not mm-hmm. even related remotely to those kinds of big square robots. What's going on? And also very different from each other, I would say. Did you have well. a disease?
0: <laughs> and I think that person was projecting. I think they overcame something in their lifetime. Oh, and okay. W- was, yeah, projecting it onto the artwork of... Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, one, a woman broke down at the table one time because I, you know, as often do I draw in the books. Yeah. And I drew a character and it was in the uh, front of... Uh, Uh, midnight city and i had them saying shouting the words keep fighting right which is like it's a world war ii kind of parallel and they're just like it's like a propaganda poster i think you have one don't you i have a few like like that but this is like uh, there was one of the first times i did it and she looks at it and she looks at me and then she just breaks down crying and i'm like oh my god (laughs) don't know what is going on i don't know what i've done Please stop. Please. (laughs) No, I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's happened, but you know. And I always had that—that was chair in the front of the booth. So I was like, you can sit down here. I'm gonna just leave you have a minute. And so I let her (laughs) sit and have her cry in the front of the booth. I went and like you know rearranged some things. Came back. She had said to me that she had. She was a cancer survivor, right? And it was the last thing that somebody in the ward had said to her, right? Recently, completely unconnected. Right. And that's just like this is this talk that we always have about art. You put yourself into it. Yeah. Right. And you give it meaning. She gave my propaganda reference World War II drawing the meaning that it needed to have for her in that moment. We do that for all our stories. And so interview questions, I guess maybe when we come back around to it, they don't seem to have a meaning, a purpose. They're trying to apply to a broad audience some general information. But if media is supposed to be at its heart the human interest story, can't we do better? Yeah, I think so. I I
2: was just thinking about um, you know we talked about these these questions being possibly lazy journalism or maybe. Um, maybe they see it as more efficient journalism as in they, they, they've asked these questions in the past and gotten suitable answers. So they're, they're just asking the same questions. So they, yeah. It's they, a they movement go, well, gives shape to form And forward. I
0: think that's it. Like if I'm driving in my car and I've never heard of you, never heard of this book and I'm driving from my house to the supermarket, I have five minutes. I need to know like what the project is, what it's about, why I should care and where I can buy it. I don't, you know, like if we put in your life story there, I yeah. don't have enough time no, for No, a no but a then also, backstory.
1: why not just make a commercial? Well,
0: that's what well, they are. But,
2: cause, cause it's, it, but it, this it is what not, I mean. It, so an, then, ad, an ad is
1: not received in the same
2: way as, as a piece of content, an article, a radio story. That's why uh, people pitch stories to journalists, because pe- most of the time, people, um, the, the public is more receptive to a news story than to just an ad. People really don't like advertising.
1: Right. Like, so most if people I, don't. So if I have a uh, like water stain of Elvis on the store of on the wall of my comic store, I could get the news in there to show that. But I and then talk about how I have this comic store.
2: Yeah, that's right. Right. This yeah, is that would what you're be saying. so cool. If you had that. Right? Did you have one? At your comic no, but store? we could arrange that. pretty easily.
0: <laughs> so there are no vampires in Transylvania. No, no Count Dracula. Fictions, my friend. The vulgar fictions of a demented iris
2: have you not already summarized this and put this in a way that is is kind of digestible because you've pitched it can you not use part of elements of your pitch i do to to tell people what I it's do. about or what what inspires you yeah because you've already talked to the publisher about that so
1: the, my problem with that is that it usually gives um so when you pitch a book You pitch it by comparing it to other books. Yes. But then by the time you're done writing it, it doesn't feel like either of those two things. And you don't want to compare it to other books at that point. And so that pitch material you can't use the same way to answer these questions. You couldn't say it's... Like I can't say it's Walking Dead meets iRobot now because it's so much more than that, Uh, the automatic age. That's what it was. That was was the pitch. Pretty close. Okay. But it's like
2: when when, um, Scott Ford was on here and he talked about... um, Arcland being, what do you say? It was Legend Zelda, Zelda meets, meets district, district 9. And we remember it. Like, and, yeah. but, us, but that's a great. Like, oh, those two things are awesome, and I yeah. want to see what the result of that is. But like, your I don't ego gets in. Yeah. Yours, too. Yours well, is good, too.
1: But then it's our ego. My ego is in the way. I don't want to compare it to two other people's right? work. Right, yeah. <clears throat> Even though clarity is supposed to be key, and if that puts the right picture in your
2: mind. and I think, to be honest, <laughs> I would say that if you put your ego aside that's a very
1: effective way of communicating that to, to the journalist. In general, putting your ego aside is a better way to communicate yeah, it to people, for yeah. sure. Um, so, but
2: you know we've kind of got way off track here. We're supposed to be coming up with better questions to no, ask. No, but mm, I
1: think what we've done is we've... Ex- you, you answer.
2: Yeah, I see. we've yeah.
0: discovered the, the merit to those questions okay. and why they're the way they are. What you've and,
1: done is allowed me to constructively rant. Yes. You just
0: needed to get that out of your system and have your little... And
1: to draw attention to a piece of the ecosystem... Right? That just is how it is. It's like you don't look in a pond and get angry. I'm seeing this now more clearly than I did a half an hour ago. Okay. I don't you shouldn't look in the pond and be angry that the fish are all that shape. Right? That's they're just all the that sh- shape for a reason. For a reason. Right? These there's clearly I can't imagine anyone getting angry about that. <laughs> this is but it's made of <laughs> it the, the same stuff. Me being angry at these questions is the same as me being like yes. why are the fish all that shape? <laughs> because like I didn't design the ecosystem right. that they're functioning in. I'm just in it. I'm just wet now and uh, my <laughs> socks are.
2: But at socks. the same time, we are coming up with a bit of best practices for people who are in this position to ask these questions. Be aware that the person on the receiving end has heard these questions a million times and you should try to stand out in some way to make the questions different, to be more specific, to ask a little more insightful. Do your research and ask more insightful questions. You'll, get, you'll engage the author, the, the interview subject more yeah. and therefore probably receive better answers, I would say.
0: Another pro tip that I've been thinking about in the last couple of days is I'm in development of one of my next books, Dragon Nanny, that Greg Gregory's working on as well. We're going to get press for that. I'll and we recently had like a, a big puzzle piece of the book change yeah. the whole whole like, yeah, dynamic between the characters and how the story is going to flow. Sudden text in the middle of making dinner one day. And
1: it's Justin with like the perfect book fixer. But it wow. completely
0: changed the story. And I was thinking, I need to be making notes about this journey because in a couple months when the book is done, we're going to forget. Yeah, we'll only remember
1: our great idea.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But people are going to ask, like, why that? And we should have notes of how the story actually happened. And even, like, further back, like, this story's been in development for a long time. Like, the origin of it is a little hazy. Yeah. Like, I know you came up with the original design, and I kind of, like, went to town on yeah. that. Yeah,
1: it was my long-armed robots that I was drawing. And you're like, and I, can I, do. I And then I always ju- added dragons As usual, Justin's them. like, I can do better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We were drawing robots in the fronts of books. I would always draw that big, fat robot Yeah, um, that has, like, egg-shaped with the big, long arms. The, the lapida the arms. Lapida arms, yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, and just have the arms extended. And Justin would then... We, Dear listeners, sometimes we make it like a way for you to visit both of us at a show at no extra cost to you. Get two drawings from both of us. So if you buy the book from me, I draw half the drawing, and if you can find Justin somewhere else, he'll add something to that drawing.
2: And I should do that by the way, because I got Cassie and talk from you, and I got rest and water from you. Right. So, so we I, would need do I need to switch. I need to get yeah. you guys to fill out the other sides of that.
1: So when we're at the show together, one of us will do the setup, and the other one will do the knockdown. So I would often, as the as a quick way to do it, make the robot holding something i don't know but what that's for Justin and then live. justin would put whatever he wants in that and that would also establish the scale of the robot if he puts a whale in his hand it's a gigantic robot if he puts a chicken in its hand it's a little robot right like whatever it is we played around with that until yeah until the dragon any idea you had a you drew one with an open an open uh like carapace yeah i forget what it was doing but it was glowing and then it was like hey what could you heat up in there
0: Originally, eggs. it had a whole bunch of eggs in its chest that it incubated slowly, oh, and then it became very cool. just one at a time. And,
1: and, and this iterated over literally a hundred, maybe a thousand sketches so, in the front of those books going back and forth with no reason.
0: But see, we need to kind of figure that out because when the interviewer comes in and goes, how did you guys come up with the story for Dragon Now? Yeah, this long we answer. Can't we can't have this conversation again. Just refer again.
2: them to this episode of the podcast, <laughs> episode <laughs> number 105. Yeah, We sure. have a science.
0: concise, meaningful answer.
2: And it was just an idea that wouldn't go away. Yeah. See, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. and uh, In the context of a, a TV interview or a radio interview, that conversation you guys just had is great. In the context of a print interview, it's not because <laughs> it's, it's hard to translate that. And people only have like, again, when you're reading print articles, people only want to read 500 <laughs> words or whatever. It's, it's a very short piece. Yeah. Um, so, so it all depends on which media you're using to tell that story. And, um, and that, that's why I kind of bring this back to the, the media um, junkets that movie, movie stars go through, because they, they often get paired up together. You see them like, and I can just imagine the two of you sitting together on camera, you know, there's a big dragon nanny cut out behind you guys, and you're doing interviews for this, and you can have a great time back and forth and have that conversation that you just had, and that's fine. That's a great moment. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, the question is how do you translate for that to print? That's really the only issue here translating it to print is the problem coming up with a nice little quote but the thing is that what you do then you you think about the think about the answers to these questions in and try to digest it down into really easily you know what you say sound bites or whatever you want to call it and put that in your news release that's what you do
1: i wonder if this is why much better authors and creators than us decline interviews at all well like they have because their work is so much more involved they have nothing left to say about it whereas we're like just pick me pick me look over some here. of these
2: some of these authors don't need don't need the press yeah. necessarily uh, but i i would also suspect that especially after like maybe a giant novel or some kind of epic piece of writing right they just want to Leave it alone and move on to something else. I would imagine that's the feeling from a lot of authors.
1: (laughs) Or if someone has your book in their pocket when they shoot somebody, like with Salinger, right? Then you're never going to take an interview again. They don't
2: do press junkets with authors, do they? No, they they don't do that same thing as they do because the hundreds movies. of
1: millions of dollars are not on the line.
2: Well, yeah, it's a small, it's not as popular of a of a medium overall. That and let's face it, a
1: lot of us authors are terrible in interviews.
2: Well, some of, some are, that's true, but yeah. a lot of movie stars are are horrible as well. Like that's not, but they're so good looking. <laughs> Well, in my mind, the, the more entertaining ones are the ones where the uh, the, the uh, actor gets upset with the interviewer and does something cranky Swipe or something stupid. Swipe between two ferns is a thing. Exactly. Oh my God. It's exactly what that's making fun of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Oh man,
0: so amazing. All
1: right.
2: That's fun. I think we've come to a lot of good uh, conclusions today, and, and it's a good discussion to have. And I would encourage listeners to submit your questions to us. If you had to ask a question to Gregory or Justin about their work, what would you ask?
1: Yeah, Give us us some good questions. These can be big or small questions, and they can be way outside questions. We did our
2: question and answer episode already, but I'm talking specifically in the context. If you were going to sit down and interview these guys, what would you ask?
1: Yeah, like constructively, if you heard it on the radio or were reading it somewhere, what's something you would find of value? Yeah, right. that's right. What are those questions? We don't know. That's what we've learned on this episode of Super Pulp Science is that while I am angry about the fish in the pond, they have that shape for a reason. Um, Thank you very much. I encourage you to join the fight and make comments.